now I'm pepperminty everywhere. <laughs> my hands, my eyes, my nose. <laughs> <laughs> How was that on the scale one to 10? I would say maybe a two. A two. A two or a three, mm. like that, somewhere in between those. Mm. And I how feel, do you feel? I feel the tingling. I like the mint, mintness of it. Actually cleared out my nose, which is generally clogged up. So that's mm. it's a nice tool to open it up. Mm. I feel my heart rate a little up, but I also feel calm at the same time mm. so I don't know if you get those feelings yourself or not but I felt my heart rate go up a little bit wow you can feel your heart rate yeah okay <laughs> it's not too far <laughs> <laughs> all right cool shall we yeah all right beautiful so I'm really excited to have Soren with us today Soren is a dear friend um, one of the things I really admire Soren about is his uh, joyful life. Anytime that I, 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 I talk to him, whether it's during our friendly conversations, whether it's conversations with other people around, or whether it's conversations when he's employees around, you always feel that gentle and joyous way of being. So welcome Soren, thanks for being here. Thank you CK. Yeah. I, th thank you for the compliments and you really are super admiring super charming and someone i look up to as well oh thank I, you i really respect all the talents you have so i want to share you. that with you thank you um so let's start with these questions <clears throat> what were some pivotal moments in your childhood that made you the man that you are the person that you are so that way people who are listening to this can get some relatedness yeah. to the person that they're listening to sure you know, I've, I had a pretty happy childhood, I would say. Um, lived in a very safe city. So it was, you know, like in the summers, we would stay up as, as a child. I remember till, you know, midnight, 2 a.m. even sometimes, rarely. But, you know, it was, it was all just fun and like you enjoyed with the neighborhood all the kids are out kind of by the park and that that's like an early memories I remember a lot that you know how uh, incredible that experience was to grow up um, and then I also remember that I uh, pretty early on I just felt the need to be very independent so I wouldn't let my parents like from first grade I wouldn't let them help me with homework or even look at what I'm doing I was and and interestingly they both accepted they both were like professors in school so um, that was pretty cool to get that acceptance from them and not be kind of on my neck about it mm. and it really pushed me to prove that this like the choice I made was the right one for me because I can you know bring the good grades and have a fun life as well even as a child for some reason I this is I guess this this shaped me for the rest of my life I think so um, you were a free-range child yeah totally oh that's so interesting which is actually contrary to the way I was raised I was raised by basically tiger parents right they're very there's clear boundaries 
yeah. clear parameters. You do not go past that parameter. Otherwise, there would be uh, serious consequences. Yeah. That's so interesting. So they were really that trusting, and then you just embraced it right away. I, I embraced it, and then I, I really early too, I remember it was like I, I was thanking them for put, leaving that trust with me because that's not necessarily how they raised my sister. Ah, so, so they had a different it, way of parenting. A little bit differently with her, I guess mm-hmm. just because of our culture. Um, you know, there was a little bit more boundaries around the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, probably another thing that comes to mind was early on going and visiting uh, one of my uncles who was a physicist. And he took me, uh, I think I was probably seven or eight, and he took me and I got to see my first computer in my life. Mm. And I just remember the moment, I mean, it wasn't even a computer, it was a mainframe. Um, And he let me play a game on it. Mm. So it was, uh, you know, just such a wondrous and mysterious moment, like, how am I interacting with the machine? So that... Um, I think was a pretty big moment for me. I was like, wow, I was just so fascinated with technology at that point. I think it just, I feel this, some sort of a switch that happened. That was a moment you fell in love. I did, yeah. You did? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So let me ask you this, without going to the more, um, on the curiosities, because I am curious, and so let's hold that for a moment, but I, because of how we met, in the context of how we met, the impression that I had is, you know, no matter what situations that you're in, you're always joyous. Or you, you always bring some element of fun and humor into it. So were you that way when you were younger, or, or it was more of a cultivated journey? It was cultivated. It was. Um, okay. Yeah, I, it was something... Um, I had an experience. Uh, I left Armenia in, uh, because of an earthquake. Um, which was very devastating for the entire city. It was like maybe half the population was gone that day and a very big majority of my school. Mm. I actually procrastinated, which... How old were you? Uh, Ten. Ten, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you actually saw death. Oh, yeah. At that age. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, I remember very vividly, first of all, going through the experience, being on the third floor uh, of the building we lived in, literally watching the walls open up Mm. and luckily being the only building in the neighborhood that stayed up Mm. when we came out it was just you know it was a lot of tall buildings we lived in the center of the city and they they, it looked my mom was like literally i remember she turned around to me and she's like where did these one-story houses come from like it didn't register this kind of devastation Mm. uh, right away so that was you know, that was a pretty uh, traumatic time, I would say, and it was I had my kind of darker days. So you were traumatized. Oh yeah, of course. Mm. I think that you know, seeing something like that, even though we were super lucky and you know, um, immediate family was okay, um, we lost a lot of relatives, but mm. that you know, seeing death on the streets and just the trauma and the moving of into different cities in a short span definitely um, affected I think it's normal anyone would get affected by that Mm. Um, but then the realization after that I think is where I found these like oh well 
I stayed alive, I should be happy. Mm. And I think how from do you from that I was I would say thing. maybe fourteen. Okay. So I was already here mm. in US and I remember I went to my father and I was like, you know, the this earthquake and my dad was of course for him he came, you know, he was thirty five and he came, you know, sw- switched he had an incredible life back there. Um, in Soviet Union, there was just the time when you can start opening up your own businesses, like co- corporations. Uh, mm. This is Gorbachev started. Mm. And um, he had, my dad had a lot of patents and a lot of ideas. So he started a shoe factory and he had, it had started going. It was really cool and innovative. And then he lost everything. Mm. So for someone, he, he came with a very negative kind of mindset. Or I mean, he, he made it positive, but internally... He had felt that, you know, he left everything and had Mm. to come. He didn't necessarily want to come to the States, Mm. even though most of his relatives were already here. Mm. So I was obligated to be here. Yeah. He's like, if I'm going to have to start my life from zero, might as well start it Mm. in the land of opportunity. So so I turned to him and I told him that, you know, this earthquake was the best thing that probably happened to your kids. and you he, said that when you were 14. Yeah. Wow. And so he, you say more about that. What did you mean? Well, I realized, I mean, it was, it was very tough for us in the beginning. Literally came to, like a typical immigrant story, we, we came to U.S. with like 900 bucks in our pocket. Mm-hmm. And our first month rent was 750 So, <laughs> So really quickly, like, you know, both parents had to both learn English and work nonstop. So I was spending a lot of time alone at home with my sister. Uh, our age difference is 10 years apart. So it was like both brother and sister and also parent and child. Mm. And also because I had to like watch her during those periods. Mm. So I became more of a parent. Mm. Uh, so I think that helped me probably mature really quick. Just mm. all the experiences accumulated together made mm. that happen, I think. And um, so, yeah, I, I had basically that realization of, well, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't, you know, make a new life for ourselves. We'd be, because what happened after the earthquake, uh, the city was basically with no lights. No, the lights would turn on one time for one hour at a random hour. Mm-hmm. It could be like four in the morning. Oh wow! And you would get lights and water and warm water. So the like that's how people lived for like five six years. Oh wow! So the just, infrastructure was gone. It's like going back yeah. a couple of thousand years, basically. Oh, man. So, and I knew that was happening, too. So it was like, oh, well, here is great. We're watching Married with Children. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, everything's good. All the families near. So, mm. yeah, it was just a realization. It wasn't anything, like, super profound. It was just like, wow, like, I want to be grateful because mm. if that didn't happen, you know, and also there was a war that Armenia was in mm. as well so that both those two things made like turn the country really mm. uh, so the infrastructure down. was gone there was a war going on yeah just very draining the political stability yeah. yeah so it was just I realized that it was a good time we came here but was that a switch that you go like okay so now yeah now then I should live my life this right way. not like a victim of it yeah yeah but embracing it because i mean it both because it's a choice you mm. could choose to be the victim of it or like let me find a positive from this 
So I didn't even have a choice, let me put it that way. It was like the only way to go. Well, um, but uh, yes, you're right. It's simple to say, but it's not actually common. <laughs> Maybe. Because but... you can find victims everywhere. That's true. Whatever the income, whatever the economic, you know, socioeconomic you know, situation they're in. You know, woe is me is easy. It's part of being human. You know, so hence why I'm. So that was literally it was like like a switch. It was like from now on, I'm gonna be grateful for everything. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, because I feel like going into a negative direction is a first human reaction, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I feel like going into a negative direction is the least of path resist, like least resistance to the right. path, but. And then, you know, you could choose to hump over that and turn your life to a more positive mm. um, perspective. Interesting. Uh, so recently I, I was in my meditation retreat. That's, that's actually the thing that I realized. In my mind, my mental model is, yeah, there's the, the ego, right? The, the humanistic, the animalistic reactions, being angry, being in, in fear, and being jealous, whatever. <clears throat> Those things actually requires zero effort on my part. Mm -hmm. It's a natural re yep. reaction. I don't need to input anything. Naturally, I'm just gonna feel that way. Yeah. And however, it actually takes more effort, conscientious choice, to be grateful, to be generous, to be loving. Yeah. And it's a it's a practice. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't just happen. Like you do it once. Right. Doesn't mean you're gonna continue to do it. Right. But I think when you do it once and you're mindful of it you're mm -hmm. like wow this is actually so much better than going into a negative direction so then then it makes the path a little bit easier for someone to choose mm -hmm. like oh let me just put uh, like let's want well, you know let's do one more push-up mm -hmm. and then things will feel a little better so you start taking on that practice when you were 14 yeah hence why it's no more uh it's now more I guess effortless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. So, what are some of the, the actual practice you, I guess, conscientiously do? I guess maybe if you, you think back when you were younger, in your twenties, in your thirties, like, what were some of the the path that you took to yeah. to get to where you are right now? You know, I think the first thing I discovered was uh, power of breathing. Hmm. And um, I just found so much peace just doing deep breaths. Again, probably around the same age, if not earlier. Uh, and just, I guess it was a way of meditating. I would just sit. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew it felt good. Mm. So I would just... Just do that over and over and over. And then it would just bring so much peace and light that it just... I would do it and you know sometimes my mom would be like are you okay I'm like yeah I'm great <laughs> <laughs> amazing did you share it with your parents did you share it with your family I don't think so it was more just like a it, trick you figure out yeah, internally I just like I'm like I, I just like I'm like it feels good to do it that's I'm just doing it I didn't know what I was doing I was just mm. I like something you stumble upon and it like felt great mm. So that was one uh, thing. Um, early, I remember that I started and it was like, I felt, you know, now obviously looking back, I realized that was somewhat meditating, doing breath work, and it just like lowered a lot of anxiety and just 
brought peace as it should. Um, and then later, like once, you know, I got more exposed to life, I was like, and like all these religions that I felt like you had to pick one. So I started studying as many of them as possible. You did? Yeah. How old were you then? Um, actually, I remember pretty early, like my parents got me an encyclopedia back in Armenia. And that was like, I wouldn't, I didn't like reading, you know, uh, just your stories. And to me, they felt like, yeah, they're nice to read, but I'm not necessarily gaining. I wanted something like practical, you know. Right. So I just started like want reading. something the, tactical. Yeah, tactical, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, let's just open up, starting with letter A, and we're going to read what's in the encyclopedia because I want to know what's out there in the world. Mm-hmm. So that was, that, you know, it kind of, from there, then I got exposed to all the different religions. So I was like, oh, what's all this about? Uh, because my parents were not necessarily religious. Um, they were, they were uh, very, you know, they were Christian, but they weren't necessarily practicing or anything like that. It was Culturally more, Christian. It was more tradition. Yeah, it was more tradition. Um, so it was, for me, it was very interesting. Like, oh, what else? What other things are available? Why? And then also at the same time, I was like, well, maybe I could learn wisdom from all of them. So... Mm. That explorations into that, I think, um, and seeing what's congruent with me, mm. that was looking more for that too. Um, That's so fascinating. So you were that curious about wisdom back in you, when you were 14, 15? Yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe earlier. Or even earlier. Earlier. Because right, you were, like, that was before, before the accident. Before, before yeah. the, the disaster. That's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all intuitive. It was. And then there was a huge gap. You know, then, then like schooling here started and, you know, just I kept myself busy. I tried to work and school. Oh, you but were the, working? Oh, yeah. I started working pretty much like the first year I came here mm. at like 13. <laughs> what were you doing? There was a program our school had, junior high school, with the fire department. And... Uh, summer times they would take us on to like slopes and steep hills to cut the brush to prevent fires so that was that was the first job all right 325 an hour 325 an hour (laughs) it was cool it was a lot of money back then for me yeah i'm sure for a 13 year old back in the 1990 dollar (laughs) <laughs> oh. Now, did you appreciate it? Uh, what, what did you appreciate what you were doing actually? Then, where you were just looking for that paycheck to come? Uh, I realized I, every job pro- showed me like where I need to be doing, and I realized I wasn't really made for manual labor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you learned something. I definitely learned. But thank God it was just a summer job. Right, <laughs> I stuck right. through it. I didn't quit. Right. Um, it was cool to be outdoors too, mm. um, but definitely it was probably the last manual labor job. We'll put it All that right, way. so that's interesting. So when did you, so let's go back to your love, you fell in love with technology. Did you then after that pick up technology after that? No, uh, after that, then there was a, the next year, there was a job with a shoe store. Mm. So during Christmas, so I tried that and then I realized the retail isn't my thing either. <laughs> 
<laughs> very quickly i was like whoa the, it was my first exposure to public like outside of family circles outside of school circles it was like just straight you know like a wave hitting you in the face like right away because it's like christmas time busy you get the worst of people and i didn't know that about the world and it was a very shocking experience so that job uh was very short too i, I actually had retail experience yeah during holiday seasons oh it's so i actually understand exactly what you yeah 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 so. but but i wasn't um self-aware enough to know that it wasn't for me so i think i did a, a couple of summer <laughs> <laughs> So, but then I, I actually, at home, uh, one of the first gift I got when I came to the States was a 286 computer my uncle gave me. Mm. And it didn't even have hard drive. It had two giant floppies, those five and mm -hmm. a half quarter, like five and a half. Yeah, I remember. And one had an operating system and the other one had a programming language, GW Basic. And uh -huh. basically I had to write software that I wanted. Oh, interesting. And, and what a gift. Yeah, that was a cool gift. And uh, that I, that's where I started with, you know, my passion for software engineering. Mm -hmm. And uh, my father also took software programming classes because his brother was doing that. Interestingly, actually, half of my family um, is in medicine and the other half is in computers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then we'll get to that later of mm -hmm. how my life ended up. I ended up doing both kind of now mm -hmm. with what with my software company. Yeah. So what were some of the other pivotal moments in your life that made you as a man, that made you as a person? Well, I got a job uh, after that. There was a program with my school with JPL. So I ended up going there and uh, worked there a little bit longer, two years. Um, it was very cool. We were working on a lot of projects, mostly like weather balloons and things like that, but also got to participate um, with my boss, uh, she was working on some, you know, very cool far orbit projects, Cassini project. I don't know if you remember, they recently crashed it into Saturn, but I got to see, touch it, watch the code in it um, as it went, you know, yeah. uh, across our solar system. Um, so that was a very fascinating experience too, because I had a you know passion and I still do in cosmology. Mm. Um, so, but then there I realized I don't want to be in a very big organization. It's too bureaucratic. There's too many politics. So that was the reason I got out of there. So, so hold on one second. So the through line is the self-awareness part. Were you really that clear about like exactly the language you said? This is too big, too bureaucratic. Oh, yeah. Like I don't like it. Really? Yeah. Not like from day one. But it was just like a slow real. I mean, if if you're in a bureau, I don't know if you've worked in a. I, I worked in a, a, two universities before. So yeah. So <laughs> you, yeah, I think when you're in it, you start realizing like, you know, there's less, like more work could be done. And then mm. there's all these hurdles you have to jump through to get anything done. Why mm. is it so inefficient? Mm. I think then that became a little bit, I think it's, in, actually I had that, I think early too. Uh, is this like efficiency everything needs to be more efficient you know mm. i would go around at home and turn off the lights i'm like you guys are leaving the lights on <laughs> you know, i remember like early on i was doing things like that so uh that's why i'm thinking like i probably had this all along mm. but later you know i was like you know we need to 
you know, figure out how to fight entropy. You mm. know, that's, that's you know part part of the part of what the world needs. Mm. Fascinating. Mm. So just going through probably lots of different experiences like that uh, here, like with work and school. I, I feel like every day could be and should be pivotal for us. Mm. But those moments definitely have, you know, are, are the spikes, I would say, that are clear in my head. Yeah, because every moment we always make a choice. Right. I think um, to go even a little bit more grandiose, some people are saying, right, speaking on Cosmo, um, the study of the universe, <clears throat> that there's multiple universe happening at any given time based on each decisions that you make you enter into new universe right so um, new possibilities new rounds of possibilities happen then so hence why um, self-awareness self-consciousness is so uh, I believe so important so you don't just make decisions randomly that's okay too but I think to be more conscientious about it that I've learned in my life is a very 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 important thing Hey, I've made a lot of decisions on a coin, like flipping the coin. Did you? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, huge, so, huge so, decisions too. No kidding. So, what were some of the decisions you made? Flipping oh coins, goodness. starting different businesses. No kidding. Yeah, just uh, relationships. I, I, you know, you even, literally even flip a coin. A and flip say, a coin. I go with this person. I do it out person. of three. You have to do three. You have to give it three chances. <laughs> And you'll be surprised. The best decisions, the three times that it falls on, are always the same. Like that's when I know that's for sure. Like, you know, it's between. Like it's not just what the winner is. It's the frequency of the same. Right. The expected showing value you. of right this yeah. particular decision. So it's interesting. I don't know why, how that started, but I just one day decided to flip a coin and see which decision you know I should take, and then started like it became a little practice do you still do it today yeah <laughs> now i i have my wife doing it too <laughs> that is funny uh no this is great yeah. uh, now i know a little bit of the mental model that you're working on so you don't do like a spreadsheet with the expected value no no just Here's the easy three times it's 50 50 and we'll see where it goes we'll see where it goes yeah i mean one of my mental models about this is ultimately and you may be able to speak to this. Ultimately, if the end result, the outcome is not catastrophic, then you can just make decisions quickly because you can always unwind and reverse. And right. Take another path. It's not, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I agree. Yeah, they're not, you know, life and death decisions, of course, but the, they are significant ones. But also, sometimes I, I have full trust in the universe, so I feel like that's like a way, it's a bi-directional communication with it. Mm. So it's a way of it telling me like, okay, maybe you should go this route. Because, um, you know, I, sometimes when it comes to choices, they're binary. And like you said, if it's not going to harm anybody and you have a way of going back, then it's a safe way. And, and it just makes the process of decision-making easy because mm. uh, my life has just become like one nonstop decision-making and you get tired of it sometimes. Mm. Mm. 
So I resort to this. I mean, it's not very frequent. It's maybe so, once, once every few months. It's not like every decision is made with it. But just for fun, sometimes when I, can't, when, when I become undecisive, actually, mm. when I feel a little bit undecisive, that's when I you know, might go use that as a tool. When, okay, so let's unpack that just a little bit. Yeah. When you say when you feel undecisive, it's that unsettledness. Like, ah, should I, shouldn't I? Right. I, maybe I should, but what if I do that? That unsettledness? Is that Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because mm. usually, like, I, when, when I get choices, I, like, know where to go. Mm. But then, of course, you might overthink it. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've been working on getting rid of as well. Mm. Um, just this, like, you know, when, once, once you start, it's like a rabbit hole, right? Overthinking is just that. And it only can go negative. So I try to stop it with different tools. Mm. That, like flipping coins. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, the ego, the human mind, our brain is evolved to help us not die. So therefore, it's very, very good at come up with what-if scenarios, and then usually it's like the worst. Right. <laughs> but, but oftentimes, the worst very rarely happens. It's true, yeah. So um, this is interesting. So let's see, how do I ask my follow-up question about that? Hmm. What other uh, mental models do you have to help you you know, make decisions quickly or make this make, make make the right decisions. Just really trusting your instinct more mm. and more, which is tough in the beginning because you're not always like confident with it. So that's a little bit of a practice too. And then you start realizing, well, I had this instinct, but I didn't listen to it and now it's too late. Or mm. I had this instinct, but then I convinced myself out of it and I didn't make the right decision. So then, you know, eventually, once you start becoming more and more aware of those moments, just like doing a little pathology when it's done, you know, just opening up the situation, the patient, and seeing what happened there. And then, you know, it led back to, well, you should have listened to your intuition because it was telling you. So sometimes it doesn't make sense, or it's, but now I try to be more keen on capturing that. Mm. Um, so you're big on trusting your intuition yeah trusting your instincts mm-hmm. mm. have you ever read the book Blink Blank? Blink oh Blink by uh, Malcolm Gladwell no okay it, that's that's what the whole book yeah? is about yeah I'll, I'll have to check it out yeah it's interesting it's they're basically their the whole assertion of the book is uh, after uh, if you're an amateur uh the instincts are chances are inaccurate Mm. but when you become an expert like let's say an expert uh, driver or expert um, surgeon the decision they make within blink of a moment chances Mm. are accurate because you've practiced so many times yeah so it's like an interesting way to look at how do we actually make uh, decisions and how do we make decisions quickly and accurately yeah definitely practice is important that, that's that's absolutely true, and I think, you know, analyzing your decisions helps you see those threads and you know the, all the different permutations that could have gone and what and remembering what your intuition was telling you. Mm. I think that maybe makes that process even faster to get to. So you do a forecast, right? Then yeah. you do also do a, like a, a postmortem, postmortem as yeah. well, and then you keep iterating as a way to hone your own decision. 
Yeah. Now, do you apply that to all areas of your life? Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and, uh, you know, relationships, business? Probably relationships and business most. Yeah, and investments. Yeah. Mm. Like seeing, for example, next waves of things coming and where to go, which path. Kind of very more strategic things. But then, of course, when it comes to tactical things, then I more try to you know study it almost more in a scientific way of doing it mm. but then when it comes to strategic it's more based on intuition yeah one of the things i realized too is because i'm trained uh to be a scientist right all my life i wanted to be a scientist so um i tend to but the the problem with that approach is there's the infinite the rabbit hole goes down forever and now i'm paralyzed by everything under the sun that I can find. So I have to basically unlearn a lot of uh, the habits that I have. Mm. It's like some, sometimes it's good enough then, because I'm never going to have perfect information about anything. Right. And therefore, just, all right, so it's roughly correct. Trust myself, trust you know, this instinct, and then also trust the information that I got and just make the, make the decision. I'll give you a lucky quarter. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please. That'll be great. See how that works. Out. See how that works out. So you had you had um, almost like the schooling boxes that were keeping you almost like a prisoner. Well, I mean, to be really frank, I mean that's the the, the logical response, and the answer is yes. But also in the the the, the inner game was the fear of failure. Mm. Because if I fail, then I'm, I, I am a failure. It's not the thing or the task that I took on that, that failed. Mm-hmm. The experiment that failed. Right. It was, my name is associated with it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I became a failure. And there was a lot of uh, fear around that. Versus just, you know, uh, an experiment. Right. Did it work? Did it not work? Learn something from it. Take another experiment. It's, and then, and it's, uh, I don't know. Did you ever have that burden of uh, fear of failure or fear of things not working out? A little bit. Maybe probably a little bit less than mm. like friends I know who a lot of people seem to be. Mm. Um, what a blessing. How did you do that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, there was a point. I, I relate that a lot to perfectionism, I mm. think. It's very like when you're a perfectionist. And I have a little bit of that, but um, it was just letting go of trying to be perfect and uh, no, you know, just appreciating that things can have faults mm. and that it was okay. You know, I, I didn't even, maybe I was just lucky that I didn't necessarily have too many, you know, falls or, or maybe I just didn't associate them as fault, like prob- problem areas or mistakes, you know, I just, got over it i learned probably from right. it and that was uh you know forgot about it i have a very good way of forgetting <laughs> was it, uh, once again right then that's 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 amazing but is that cultivated or is just naturally you don't remember I, things or yeah i think i just always like make room in the brain to like pick up the next thing i want to learn and then i forget whatever i don't use like very easily i feel like it's a gift Mm. to be able to not remember. No, it's true. <laughs> it's, I mean, if you think about it, if you look at 
I don't know if you ever done, done Vipassana? No. Or study Buddhism oh, a yeah. little bit? Yeah. Like the mechanics mm-hmm. of enlightenment? Yep. Right? They say that uh, life is suffering and then the source of suffering is uh, attachment. Mm-hmm. And roughly, loosely translated is you suffer because you hold on to things or your past. Yeah. Or you worry about the future that hasn't happened yet. So the gift of not remember everything, which I also have right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my wife tells me that all the time. Like, you don't remember anything. Yeah. Like, no, I, I really don't. <laughs> That's why we have wives. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they remember they everything. They remember and remind us. Right, exactly. Um, no, that's really cool. Yeah, I've, I've worked, I think, that part, but I definitely have the other one where I worry about the future. Mm. So I have that one. Mm. I've got to figure out how... Um, I've gotten better throughout the years, I think. Mm. But definitely have suffered a lot because that causes anxiety. Mm. Well, before we, I ask you the next question, do you want to do a little uh, hape? Please. Okay, so we have a gentle hape or the sharper hape. Uh, this is we've we've done this together one time hape which which one is hape okay what yeah. is this going up the nose yes. okay no then we haven't done because okay. i remember at burning man we did oh right right that's sananga, sananga and something yeah. else no i feel uh, like we did we tried two different medicines in that case that may be it this one but i don't remember anything going up my nose in that case no no okay here here's a different one they smell similar to me. They're supposed to smell different? Slightly. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, now I. You have it. a yeah. preference? W- your recommendation? Oh, I like uh, gentler. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Since I haven't done it before, it'd be I'll nice. show you. Let me see um, the amount you're taking. No, no, no. I'll actually. You'll do it for me? I'll do it for you. Okay. I'll only give you a little bit. So typically, so this is, is really intense for your nose. And the bodily sensation is very much like a hard, challenging workout. But then right afterwards, um, you may feel a little lightheaded, a little tingling in your extremities. And that you should be able to also feel the calmness after the workout. Hmm. So I would invite you to set an intention so that way you can fully take advantage of the silence. Cool. You have one? Yeah. Okay, cool. So the way you do it, same thing. Mm -hmm. Close your eyes. And then if you want the other nostril, it's ready for you. Okay, nice. (laughs) Breathe. Use your mouth. Wow.
Very, it was just water coming out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was more. So the other one is even stronger or just rougher. Sharper. Sharper. Yeah. You can take as long as you need. Yeah, no, I'm good. I think I'm pretty good. You okay? Yeah. No, it feels good. Okay. How was that? Uh, I feel like the first one was stronger in the right side of my... I could literally feel just like the right front side of my face just tingling. <clears throat> the second one maybe didn't go um, as far up. I didn't get that. And... Um, it was much more just in the nose, very strong. So it was kind of unbalanced a little bit. But uh, I feel this like strong kind of energy inside, just expanding um, from the center upwards. And uh, Yeah, a little bit, a little bit high almost off of it, actually. <laughs> I feel <laughs> a very like floaty. Yeah, this is non-psychoactive. Safe, ego, and non-psychoactive. Cool. Is it vegan? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's tobacco and triage. Triage? What is uh, that? Um, barks. Ah. Tree barks. Ah. Grind it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Very cool. Let me blow my nose real quick. Excuse me. All right. That was cool. Thank you. Yeah. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> new experiences. Oh, new experiences. Right? New experiences. Yeah, experiences. I love it. Yeah. I love new experiences. Yeah. I, that, that's one of the, well, obviously because you asked me too, I felt very honored, but I like the format that you're doing this in. So mm. It's, mm. it's cool and it's very exploratory. Yeah. Actually, this thing is used before uh, the Amazon warriors go for a hunt. Really? Yeah, as a way to bring that, heighten that awareness mm. of the body, but also clear the mind. Hmm. So they, I suppose they can function better. Obviously, I didn't follow them into a hunt, so mm. I don't know what they do exactly, but that's what I'm told. Hmm. Mm. That's, I, I heard the similar about mushrooms too, magic mushrooms, that people took it because it in, um, increased your vision, mm. and uh, people were using it you know, back then to hunt as well. Mm. So maybe a lot of these medicine is probably for that. Perhaps. Maybe that's why it's warrior medicine, right? Perhaps. <laughs> um, so you mentioned about, so there's actually a couple of points I want to ask you. Were you always this, uh, have that spiritual calling? Because you said you trust the universe, right? So things that's outside of you. Were you always I think this so, way? Or it was kind of developed over the years? It definitely developed over the years. But mm. uh, definitely, I would say probably the earthquake had a big shift for me too. Just mm. uh, realizing, well, if we're alive, then we're meant, you know, there's a reason why we're alive. Mm. Um, so that was very cool to learn that at a really young age. I think that like really shaped a lot. Um, this kind of realization like, wow, well, I stayed alive. That's why you know and that kind of drove me to study like more and to mm -hmm. learn more about it and just more self-explore it than necessarily 
go to books or to a particular religion to study mm. it. It was just more looking inwards. Oh, interesting. So your way of learning, my way of learning, my default way of learning is always go to books. Right. Because I wanted to see best, quote unquote, best practices right. that other people have done. Then over the years, I learned to be trusting myself more and self-explore, right? Using that inner uh, awareness to do it. So what was your path like? Like it, it started like, you know, with the, like I said, like really early starting to read the encyclopedia, like in first grade. Mm. Um, but then pretty early, like I would say, you know, after the age of maybe after college, I would say I just, even, even in college, I just started realizing that, you know, I, there all the answers are there if you just look for it, you know, carefully. Mm. Um, not necessarily, you know, the books obviously have wisdom in it. And I try to learn <clears throat> from other people's mistakes or other people's stories. Mm. Um, so I watched a lot of my friends or, you know, family relatives and tried to understand, you know, what brought everyone to the point that they are and what works and what doesn't. So really careful about trying to learn from people's mistakes or, mm. or correct choices in their life where how they ended up so follow more of that type of path so more uh, like an observer really empirical evidence yeah that's mm. interesting qualitative evidence yeah yeah oh man oh, that's so cool very different learning style very I, because I guess I had to I didn't uh, have my parents influence me on learning styles or the schools much I felt like school was just something you do and you know you do it and you move on I didn't invest too much time mm. I would just more like oh let's get you know I, I, like I was with. get it over with and then there's all <laughs> these cool things to go do outside um, that was more of the model I think I had I love it yeah do you feel that entrepreneurs tend to be that way since you have obviously a lot of entrepreneurial friends and so do I I'm curious to know your your observation about un the entrepreneurial quote unquote type of people Probably, yeah, I would say that's that's usual uh, that you could generally find that um, mm. in entrepreneurial people that they are hard to put in a box and limit themselves in particular ways. So they are just out there more. They're just very exploratory people. Mm. And for that, you just have to have a very kind of free mind. Mm. Mm. Um. So what's your answer right now to that question? What does it all mean? You know, that you are alive versus your friends or relatives. I feel like you'll never know. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's less of a destination, right? It's more of like the path that you keep exploring because we change so much every day. Mm. You're never the same. So, you know, it, it all becomes like stories and you... Well, what's the current story that you tell yourself? Like, why are you here? Yeah, I feel like my, my purpose is mm -hmm. what you're asking. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's to grow mm -hmm. myself, to grow uh, people around me, to just have a, a little bit of, uh, you know, shine if I can help anyone, you know, whether it comes to an employee or to develop themselves in any way. Or give them the opportunity to choose that mm. um, then I feel that's my purpose mm. 
So it's not like some grand, you know how um, Steve Jobs said, let's make a dent in the universe and depict making computers or software, hardware software slash software as a way to to enable people to do that. So this is not like some grand vision like that. No, I definitely have a competitive side. That's definitely a competitive side I have for sure. I Mm -hmm. definitely uh, get off on that. Um, But it's not like the primary. Mm. Primary task I feel like is more to just, you know, grow every day a little by little, nothing super grandiose, Mm. learn something new. Um, and then help someone in any way that like I feel like just though and then from there it translates into like okay how can we scale help how can we scale this Mm. and then how how do we you know fight entropy how do we you Mm. know change change the world a little bit better Mm. and that's where like the businesses come because that's kind of the only way you can really scale yourself Mm. interesting yeah, actually, I have to unlearn that. I, I, I love the mental model of the yin and the yang sign. Yang is intentionality, directionality, you know, goal, mm-hmm. right? The, and then the, the yin is uh, surrendering, go with flow in this present moment. Mm-hmm. So my whole life, academically, it's all about future. the next goal, the next goal, the next goal in order to do the next thing, next thing, next thing. And from entrepreneurship, from all this exploratory learning, uh, transformative learning, I had to unlearn a lot of those things and start to look at the yin side of things mm-hmm. in the present moment. And I so have gained so much more appreciation. Basically, have a goal, but still hold it loosely. Yeah. Because ultimately, all we have is this present moment and then life will continue to unfold itself. Right? I can control the process, sorry, the effort but not the outcome. Mm-hmm. The outcome is not guaranteed. Yep. Hmm. So cool. Yeah, I think we live in, uh, at least on myself, I know, um, I balance things through extremes. Mm. So like, yeah, you'll have all this big purpose and you got to do this or just any anything I've noticed in my life that I find balance by doing extreme opposites. Okay, so... How do you, well, gauge that balance? And then also, how do you find the opposite of uh, the, this intentionality, this, this desire to Yeah, I mean, it could compete. be some, something like, yeah, I would just go and slave away, put in hours and try to do, you know, five conference calls in one day and solve tons of problems. And, you know, and, and I'll do that maybe for two days. And then another day I would just either... Do nothing, mm. like zero, where I'm just disconnected. I'll either go in nature or even worse, I'll just stay home and just be complete like introvert. And then I'll the next few days, I'll go and be opposite, like, like super communicative and out there getting things done. So I do notice that's like something very quickly that comes in mind. But I've like self-observed you going backwards Mm. a lot on all these like you know I would for example had a was really deep into kind of the science piece right doing computers and studying at school and so on but then at the same time I had uh, where I decided to start like an events business so I was doing parties 
Oh, yeah, at bringing, school. Uh, uh, yeah, after university, basically. Oh, no right kidding. At, like at the end of university for about eight, nine years, I had an events business where we would bring in, like fly in DJs from all over the world oh, wow. and just put together crazy parties. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So, and at the same time, I had like, and then I had like a computer consulting business where I was doing networks and teaching networking and, hmm. you know, some, so it was like complete two opposite lives, but I was finding a lot of peace in between those. I love that. So, um, how do you know when you're out of balance? And by the way, I use, I usually try to stay away from the word balance because balance implies, right? If you look at a scale, mm -hmm. you do this thing, but you give up this other thing. You do this thing, but you give up this other thing. Yeah. So I like to use the word harmony. Mm, so how do you strike that harmony, the middle way, right? The right. yin yang. Yeah. Say, how did you, how do you know you're, when you're not harmonized? Just listening, I guess, also. you know, listening. Yeah. Like I could catch myself, like, for example, recently I've taken on way too much. I can bite, you know, so I know for sure, like I've just, you know, I have too much on my hands, too much on my plate. So um, it's been, but I also don't want to drop the ball on anything. So it's, so like recently it's been pretty challenging, um, trying to juggle so many different things. But I, you know, I've, I also then forcefully just make time for myself. So it's just no, like I can feel the anxiety and the, the burden and the responsibility. Um, and then also at the same time, I know to be able to be responsible and to do these things properly, I need to also clear my head mm. or else I'll start making probably wrong decisions. All right, so what it's, I want people who are listening to this get something, not just inspiration, but something tactical. So what are some of the tactics or disciplines that you use as a way to shut off that noise, right? the anxiety or whatever? Okay. I have some unhealthy ones that I, I won't get into because... Of the <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so what are some of the healthy ones? Healthy ones... That, that you are willing to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be healthy or unhealthy, yeah. just, but the ones that you're willing to share. Healthy ones, I would say, you know, meditating for sure is, is, is uh, something I definitely should... It, it is the... It seems like the harder path, but then the rewards are great from it because then you could um, really listen to what what's happening deeper inside you almost like look at the engine mm. so that is definitely a very valuable skill what kind of meditation because there are thousands there so. are yeah so I a long time ago I took a inner engineering you know have you done that one or this is with uh Sad, Sadhguru. Sadhguru. Right? yeah i haven't done it okay that was really cool um and i practiced that two times a day mm. it's like a 40 minute practice for six months i really like that really did a lot of had a lot of benefits mm. but then life and travel happens and i wasn't able to keep that practice so sometimes I'll return um, to that. And then at other times, just basic uh, breath, like I've always had uh, that, like I, as a kid, like I, that's my go-to, super easy, you know, I can do that anytime in the middle of a meeting if I want to, 
or you know of course it's much better at home because you just you know you feel in, in peace at home and you can much easily get into that space mm -hmm. so that's that's probably my best uh, tool I would say mm -hmm. and not even for very long like 10-15 minutes and I'm like much in a much much better space mm -hmm. actually before you came I had a super stressful day and I you know went to the bedroom and laid with Alina and we just you know, had a few nice breaths together and it was a great reset. It was almost like taking a quick power nap. Mm. <laughs> Would you say that that's a pretty good relationship hack? Yeah. Taking breath, deep uh, breaths together. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I love that. It's, it's my favorite thing. It, even when we're... I did this practice recently with my employees, actually, which you was did. really cool, yeah. So I'm exposing them now to, like, mm. these once a month, We'll have a session with a coach, mm. and it, it's anything on productivity, just more mindfulness. And then at, we close. Like well, the last time, they asked me. You know, I, I started talking a little bit about meditation, so they asked me to like guide them on on one. And they're all pretty new to it. If there's a few guys who have been doing it and have even taken courses. Um, so that was really cool and then we made that almost like every after every session we would I would do a guided meditation with them like a uh, visualization or purely um, uh, counting your breath the, the, every time differently just depends oh yeah. you have a you have a repertoire <laughs> just whatever it feels like I've never it was almost like I think the first time I did a guided meditation was actually at your house I think first time we even met oh yeah we had little uh, like a meditation circle oh yeah and that's right uh, that was actually that's where when we kind of went around and all did uh, guided meditation of our own and that was the first time i did it mm. um and i really liked it so mm. um so i tried to do a little bit more of it not not as much as you know it, it would be awesome to do more mm. um but yeah then i was like oh let's try this it just you know, life led to that moment where we, it was very recently where we did that with the employees and and I asked them to try to be attentive to the rest of their day to see how that changed their day a little bit and maybe that gives them a little bit of this buffer um, for them to be less reactive and more mm -hmm. kind of have that space to process things a little better. So it's a practice I would love for you know, people who want to do it to continue to do. So that's something um, I'm really happy that is you know, working out and people are really acceptance, accepting of it. I didn't think people would be that accepting. So yeah, as a business owner, I'm curious to know your perspective. Because um, as a business owner, you have fiduciary responsibilities to your investors, for your employees, right, to yourself. Right. To make sure that the business is quote-unquote productive, right? So a lot of business owners, they're hesitant to share these new things because it feels like a distraction to what people are supposed to do. So what is your, what's your point of view around introducing, because you're obviously doing that in a very active way. Yeah. Right. So what do you see is the potential I don't know, say payoff or ROI right. for these practices that may or may not have a very instantaneous um, payoff. Right. Because um, I 
think that with employees, especially the way we try to run our business to not have you know churn of employees because every employee we invest so much time in the business we're in, the domain is so <clears throat> wide and deep that it's really important that, that they're not just like an employee, they're almost like a family relative. And, um, and then you also start realizing that you know, you take care of the employees, then they take care of the business because I'm not, I'm more or less on the day-to-day things that happen at, at, in the business. Mm-hmm. They are the ones running the business. So <clears throat> why not, like if this worked and helped me, maybe it might help someone else. And why not help, you know, someone that as close as someone you work with and spend a lot of time and your day with them. And so it's there's definitely selfishness to it, right? Mm. So then they take care of the business. Right. Um, <clears throat> but at the end, I think it's also just, it makes them a better rounded person. That, and mm. if they can look inside of their own thoughts uh, and have less self-limiting thoughts, that's always good for them and then also for the business. So... Mm. So I think there's there's very high ROI. It's not necessarily you know the next day, but mm. all my businesses I never do it for like a quick um, turnaround and quick profit. It's everything I've done is like if I look, it's just like a decade of work to just bring it up. But then it's you know it's like a solid foundation, and mm. it's hard to topple mm. that over. So. I, I, I don't do like the quick startup, let's raise some money and then sell it off. It's more like just let's build a good product that's, you know, creates a huge barrier to entry. Mm. And, you know, so I don't know why I'm more attracted to these kind of um, mm. operations, I guess. Mm. Long-term investment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it. Consistency. Consistency. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I've I've definitely tried to do the quick and I feel like, you know, it's just the money part. If it comes in quick, it leaves very quick too. Mm. And you don't uh, savor it as much. Mm. So part of it is the journey. You actually really enjoy the, the building. The, the hustle, part. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Okay, so, so to the skeptics, because I'm obviously, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a convert, right? I, I believe in what you're saying, hence why we're doing all of this. Mm-hmm. But for the skeptics still who are listening to this, are there businesses that's not necessarily suitable for this type of introducing, introduction of things that's outside of the business realm? That, let's use meditation to be more specific. Right. right. Are there businesses who, whose people shouldn't be introduced to <laughs> meditation? I mean... Corporations are people, no? <laughs> I, I agree, 100%. Um, I agree. So, I mean, to, add, to reframe that question, it, is there a person that wouldn't benefit from meditation? I would say no. So I think, yeah, I, no, I think it's critical for people and then businesses to start employing. I think the world can only get better from it. I haven't seen any harm caused from it. You know, it's not like a waste of time. It's actually... It might feel like it because you're sitting there in silence, but even on company time, yeah, on yeah. company time, exactly. And but then the, the realizations you can have, the you know, it, it can be so profound that you're like, no, this is this is great because you could go ten years of just you know with your monkey brain 
and just live in this like circular way and not ever come out of the shell and like who wants to live a life like that a hundred percent agree yeah yeah uh, I am curious, whoever lis is listening, if you guys think that, oh, yeah, I know a business or yeah. type of business <laughs> who wouldn't uh, benefit from these, uh, you know, inner game practices. I'm curious to know your point of view. Please uh, send them to me. Cool. Probably those big bureaucratic businesses can benefit from that just to keep the system going. Yeah, um, I, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Don't <laughs> think. Just do what I tell you. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah, I don't know. I wonder about that. Um, on that thought, um, would you like to do a little uh, sananga? This is in the eye, right? This is in the eye. Sure. Hape for your eyes. Is, is, does hape give you like an appetite? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Feel free to do whatever you're going to do. Oh, wow. If you, if you like to you no, it's fine. take a moment. It's fine. So you had the gentle one at Burning Man. This oh. is the more intense one. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I think so, right? You haven't had but, this this type. I don't remember. Yeah. I just trusted you whatever you put yeah, in at yeah, Burning yeah, yeah. Man. But that so, was I was struggling for like a good five minutes at Burning Man, I remember. So uh lean your head back as far as you can. Uh, same thing with the intention. Close your eyes. Actually as even more far back. No. Your head. Do I keep Yeah, there you go. Eyes open or no, close? close. with the intention and then and then you can open your eyes and then let it roll around a little bit <sighs> breathe do you know This wasn't that bad. <laughs> or maybe I got used to it. I don't know. <laughs> or does it come in waves? No, that's it. That's it? One time, yeah. Hmm. No, I, I would say this was easier, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe it was just all the all the dust and the sand, the burning man. <laughs> that I, the struggle was much more real back then. <laughs> <laughs> struggle was much more real. I like that. Or you just went easy on me and put a few drops. <laughs> no, no. Yeah? I, it was a full, I, full Only thing. one drop. One, one drop. Ready? Yeah. How was that? Scale 1 to 10. Actually, this was uh, much, much, much. I would say maybe about a 4, 5. 4. 5. Wow. Yeah. The hape was around like a 7, 8 range. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Different feeling. Uh, yeah, this one, I, I was ex more braced for worse, <laughs> I guess. 
from my lo- my my first time of doing sanange mm. yeah and uh yeah this one was probably 10-15% of that experience I remember the other one I was rolling around a little bit <laughs> I think it probably was because it was so novel Maybe. you never had pain in that areas of your body could be in your eyes before yeah so I was more so ready was for like it like a shock right right this time you actually were like oh okay it's coming and I knew what to expect you knew what to expect that's awesome yeah maybe with the hop in next time I'll, I'll be mindful to see <laughs> how I feel because that one was just like totally new feelings like mm-hmm. feeling the right side of your entire face there are also <laughs> For, different kind of hoppings too okay it's similar to tobacco the different kind of interesting so they're all different yeah so i have different ones for you in, in the future okay yeah, okay yeah. nice Thank you. um let's let's kind of look ahead a little bit i'm curious <clears throat> and then and then we'll wrap um with the use of technology I actually came back from transtech Right where um, Alina actually goes quite a bit. It's the intersection between spirituality and technology, mm. right? So the whole contention is that, yeah, you can meditate for decades and achieve a certain state of uh, bliss or inner peace, but you can use technology to kind of help you get there faster or more, and then more predictably because mm. that's what technology and science is good for, predictability, right? Repeatability. Yep. What is, what's your point of view on that? Do you feel that, suppose there is an um, ultrasound device that can get you to a blissful state in 10 minutes? Do you feel like, yeah, I don't know, I didn't earn it? Or do you feel like, hell yeah, let's do it, like a biohacker type? Yeah, no, I'm all about, You're to- all about toys it. and technologies. But I do feel, you know, something like that, I think what works great in spirituality, um, I'm pro taking shortcuts because I think uh, they're very good at showing you what you can achieve without them. Mm. And then that way you like, it shines a little bit of a light on um, path. Mm. Like, oh, I could be there. It's temporary. Same thing with like drugs, right? Yeah, it, it, it might open up something and uh, then you have a, it gives you direction I feel like mm. so yeah I'm, 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 I, I believe in that so like a benchmark a benchmark yeah how do you then what's the line right between using as a benchmark uh, versus like an self-indulgence mm-hmm. then it becomes an addiction oh, I must have my coffee right don't talk to me until I have my coffee right Right, or don't talk to me until I uh, meditate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you stop, kind of lose that middle ground. So what, what, what is the middle ground from your point of view? That's a good question. I probably would say, again, you know, being just self-observing to see where you are, whether it's something you're craving or you're using it as a tool. Mm. Like every decision, like before you were going to do something, you mm. uh, you kind of look inwards and say, what what am I using this for? Mm. Is this is this just just to do it, or am I? And then also being observant of how my, how often you're doing it too. If this is like you're using this tool more than once a month, then maybe you're using it too much. You're de- becoming dependent on it. Mm. 
or it's just you know or it's just like in, in your arsenal of things you have mm-hmm. so that's how i interpret whether this is something i'm overdoing it or you know i need to tone it up or tone it down like mm-hmm. this harmony that you're mm-hmm. talking about with with things with tools with life mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the uh, guests that I spoke to recently, he is a managing director of uh, this longevity project. Mm. And his whole contention of the longevity project is how do you increase your capacity for homeostasis? And basically range. his, His whole premise is it's not about sticking with your rituals every day because that keeps you a very specific range it's not about depriving yourself from something every day or eating mcdonald's every day Mm -hmm. his whole thing his whole premise is actually do it all so then you know create stress your body fast yep you know do the bulletproof whatever but just don't do it forever right so that way your body is used to that range and Mm -hmm. i think it's very much on par with at what you sp- spoke about, you know, you're, you say you are at the extremes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very stressful, five conference call a day, and doing nothing per day. Right. Right. And but speaking of that, it's um, I, I personally find it to be difficult to um, if I don't have it on my schedule, I just won't do it. Right. So I have to schedule it. Do you have, so I want to make sure that people are listening to this. Right. They're inspired by your point of view. They want to live a more extreme life as a way to push their range, let's right. say. What kind of disciplines do you have to ensure that you you do it? Right. Versus just like, I don't know, let's in flow. And Definitely, yeah. It's a good mix of those two. I, of course, have my calendar. It's mainly business-related. Um, I do try to have certain practices that I'll do throughout my day too. For example, yeah. wake up and like do 10 push-ups or 20 push-ups or 30 push-ups. Depends how you feel that day. And uh, so I have some constant things that I might yeah, do. Yeah, if you don't mind, actually get more specific, concretize it. Because, uh, you know, people are like, oh, I want to yeah. I want to emulate Surin. So right. tell them what they should do. Well, that that's that's a pra- like I, that's a one way I like to wake up, mm. and then I'll take a shower normal, and then but then I'll turn it to cold. Mm. So I always end my showers with cold water. Make sure like head to toe, I'm covered, and mm. I'll try to do that as long as I can take it. Mm. Um, way better than coffee. Mm. I like coffee too, but this is like if I don't do this, like I don't feel I, my day doesn't start properly cold shower yeah yeah cold shower so in the morning that's probably a practice i'll have and then i'll also um start my mornings generally like my favorite ways to start it is with music finding new music Mm. so probably this is where you know i go into like this mode of getting a thrill out of finding something new what a a thrill out of finding something new like Digging, I call it digging for music. So you allocate half an hour, an hour, just to dig for new music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I start with that, and I'll take a shower with music on as well. All right. Like listening to new tracks that are out. All right. So that that 
you know, I've always had this like exploratory side. I think that it's just a spirit. I I think it's probably you can develop it as well. I'm guessing, but it's also something you probably need to have as well. So then that opens it up, you know. And then when you tune into flow, then you start discover like spending your day almost and, and week to you know keep uh, going macro uh, and just using that flow of things to find new things in your life new people new influences um so that is um a, a mode i have throughout the day um just try to never have the same day basically mm. try like always different things i have some projects that i'll try to just divide and work on a little bit that if, if I just did that project, it would drive me crazy. Mm. So I definitely multitask one to another and I'll just on have- On the same day? On the same day. I'll, I'll have like three, four long-term projects that I need to work on. I mm. do work on those. And then I mix it up with just immediate things, whether it's some emails or just going around and talking to everybody a little bit, mm. just to mix it up, just so I'm not in the same you mode. You like variety. I yeah. love variety, yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Couldn't have said it better. And um, then when I come home, you know, spend spend time and catch up and relax, obviously, at home. And uh, kind of back to a practice, I might do like the little a little bit of my breath work. And it could be anywhere. It could be just walking around, the house if i'm extra stressed i like to like clean i see that helps restore uh disorder yeah exactly and that brings me a lot of calm and relaxation and that has a benefit as well (laughs) you get some you get you get a nice uh shiny house and um or organize something like something i've been wanting to organize i'll just start organizing things maybe it's a little bit of an ocd um and then i like to one thing i got exposed really early on to is uh like alan watts mm. and uh, i love i love going to bed with him mm. <laughs> yes that helps you fall asleep it helps me yeah it helps me fall asleep it helps me like center and ground myself and remember all the things you know and he has he speaks so incredibly well and mm. so wise mm that it's um, definitely, you know, it, it, it's been a good practice. It's like almost like I meditate with him mm. while he's talking. Mm. And it's just a really good way to go to sleep, I feel like. Because his voice is like monotone and just very calm. Mm. And, you know, he has a lot of pauses. Mm. And uh, th- like that would be my average routine mm. week any specific uh, Alan Watts? Uh, no, I'll just go to. Uh, I try to listen to different ones. Well, I mean, he's whoever is listening. Well, who, what? Which one? Which Alan? I mean, he has a lot. He has a lot. So, so I'll which, just. Well, which one should they start with? It, I, it really doesn't matter. It, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't anything. Ma- does anything? They're mm-hmm. all. They all have carry so much wisdom in it that mm-hmm. I, I love. I love them all. What's like, wisdom actually? Let's define that for a moment. Wisdom is just for me, it's just a lot of experience and knowledge rolled in together that's just there and it's like the right path. A lot of knowledge rolled into the right path, pointing yeah. to the right path. Yeah. I see. Okay. So I guess that's that if I had to define it in a quick way, that would come to mind. 
Actually, I do have a few other questions for you. Please. I know that I said it was the last question, no, but I do fine. have a few other questions. So I always see you doing cool stuff <laughs> and hanging out with cool people. What, what are your criteria that, that you use to keep the people around you, one, and also for the events that you go to? Because you mentioned that you wanted to do extremes, like cool events or mm -hmm. cool activities, right? You really, I, I, from my point of view, something that helps you be more alive. So I'm curious to know what kind of criteria do you use to keep the people around you to do the things that you do? Hmm, good question. I haven't really thought about it, honestly. Um, you know, I think just looking for the variety uh, is really important to me. So, do you not have regular like friends, like where they hang out with five people? Five no, people, like, I mean like I have that. friends that like I've had. I have a friend, for example, that we've been friends from high school, and we just love to debate together. Mm. So, like I'll and I just love to have friends of all social classes. I love artists, you know, just because I just love differences in people. Mm. I guess that's uh, I really appreciate that and then it's also such an opportunity to learn from everyone mm. I, I feel like a chameleon too with I remember from early on my mom would know who, which friend I'm talking to on the phone because mm. she was like you're you would email you would talk like them I didn't even realize that mm. um, so um, that's like maybe a criteria like things I want to learn and I think you learn something from everyone too so I use every experience with people to learn something from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the same guy that I was speaking about earlier, June, he said that he loves talking to people who, who's really, who, who loves a, a specific thing because right. then he can see the world through their lens. Yeah. For example, someone who loves uh, UC Berkeley. So please show me the Berkeley that you know. Mm -hmm. Then the whole, he said it's very intoxicating. It sounds like you do that yeah. as well. You like hanging with people who's really passionate, who's really loves what they do, and then you're like, please show me the... Is that yeah. similar? I don't necessarily ask them for something. I just, through osmosis, try to... It's not, it's not very conscious, I think. Mm. It's just being around them, I feel like, just pushes my limits and you know, really appreciate either the talents they have or mm. the perspective that they have. You know, kind of along the same uh, June you said mentioned this. June, yeah. Yeah, but what resonated with when you said that, like when I travel, I intentionally get lost. Mm. I like to just get lost to that way you in, either interact or have to figure yourself out of a particular situation. Mm. Um, that's a practice I love doing when I'm traveling. Mm. Mm. I get to see the world from a different perspective, or you know, you meet someone and see see things. You know, it's almost like uh, like a virgin with their with their eyes and how mm. uh, how the world looks for them. Or if someone is going through an experience you have been to, but it's their first time, that's very intriguing too for me. Mm. Because I yeah, you I could really relate and like it's 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 a very um, emotional experience for me. That's a beautiful way to live. Cause yeah, you're always seeing the world through new eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Well, uh, one last question which is the whole premise of this whole podcast, right? What does it mean to be a man in modern times? Mm -hmm. I know that we touch a lot of bits and pieces everywhere, but for the people that are listening, what do you think is 
job of a man? I, I guess responsibility, what, what's it like, and what is the role, right, of being a man in modern times? Right. I think a big role would be is, uh, to cultivate courage. Hmm. And uh, because it all starts from there. Like when we started talking about, right, going, choosing between positive or negative, um, what it's the courage that ships shifts you and makes you do like one little bit extra mm. to get to the positive side right so it all starts i think from there um, so the more you build that into yourself and inspire others to have courage to move forward with situations and not beat down on themselves I think the the and I feel like that's a responsibility of men to do because maybe it comes a little bit more naturally for men. Mm. And um, yeah, that's that's something that that just kind of com- comes up. So tactically, I want to make sure that people are inspired by your story, by your narrative, but also they can try something on themselves, right? So what would be a tactic that someone can try on to be more courageous? I think the awareness of it is definitely knowing about it is is very useful. And um, really evaluating when when you're making a choice, whether is this the courageous path or is this not the courageous Mm. path? Am I... And, you know, very easily we choose the, you know, it's like the least of path, the, the least resistance path is definitely, you know, you, if you're mindful of it, it's usually not the most courageous path. Mm. So that is probably a tactically is just as you're making decisions throughout the day um, to, to maybe bring that forward. Like, mm. is this the, the courageous path or not? Mm. I mean, actually, one thing we didn't really talk about. I don't know if you want to kind of out edit it in there. Sure. So one thing we didn't talk about is entrepreneurship, especially the American dream, right? People want to be business owners. People look up to people who build companies and have employees. And uh, knowing what you know now, having run how many businesses you have built before? Oh man, it's hard to keep track, but right now I'm running like four businesses. Right. So, okay. So historically you've run probably many more, right? Right. But running right now you're running four. So they have this romanticized, you know, idea of what's it like to be an entrepreneur. So maybe you can, knowing what you know now, maybe you can give them a little bit of a a glimpse. Yeah. What is the real deal? Because from my point of view, you live a joyous life. From their point of view, conventionally, it's you got to sacrifice everything, you know, sacrifice your health, sacrifice your relationships, sacrifice your friends, sacrifice your hobbies. So there's definitely a lot of sacrifice. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. But so, 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 so share with us. Right. How do you have it all worked out? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, the first thing is passion. Mm. you got to have passion for anything something everybody has a passion i think whether they've discovered it or not everyone has some talent something that it could be the least productive thing in their mind Mm. but finding that nurturing it practicing it getting better at that is, is super important 
and then looking for a niche you can apply that to hmm. something where it's not super at least this is my 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 process um and then applying that to a niche and sticking through it not giving up the beginning part is like heavy sacrifice heavy then usually it's about from from the way i've practiced like the business piece i would say it's usually like the first two three years you have to heavily sacrifice and just roll with the punches but then every day you just do something to move that forward something that the next day you would look back and thank yourself for doing that mm. so every day you just put one brick then the next day you make sure there's another brick and you just practice that without looking at all the punches that are coming along your way so that first few years is like the heavy sacrifices then after that um, if you didn't give up that's when there's like this opening that happens and it starts things start working out in your favor more and more and more and more and it's um, then it, you know it's it's becomes more about going with the flow and not having too far of a direction where you need to go mm. um, you know understanding maybe what the customer needs because they change all the time so you, you can't just be going and creating something in, in a you know, black box Mm-hmm. And then three years or five years later, you come like, hey, look at what I built. You know, the world has changed by then differently. So then it's more like every day you pick up, you, you kind of tune in. You have to be super tuned in to see what the world wants at that point. And you kind of work on that little by little every day. Um, so let me actually uh, ask a follow-up question there. Because conceptually, I agree 100%. And when you go from zero to one, a lot of times there's not a whole lot of feedback coming your way, though. Yeah. Right. Elon Musk calls it, not everyone is Elon Musk, number one, but he calls it uh, eating glass, staring to the abyss. Right. And it, it's pretty lonely during that time. Mm-hmm. I would use this podcast as, as an example. This is my second podcast. Mm. My first podcast, I did eight episodes. Then mm. I stopped. Right. Because there was no feedback. Then I figure, ah, people are not interested in it. And I had a whole, totally different context, hence why I stopped. Mm-hmm. So then there is a line between, yes, you know, continue to build that brick after brick every day. Then you'll see, you reap the rewards two years from whatever. Right. But then there's also, all right, so there's no feedback. The feedback is not positive. Whatever I'm building, there's no the market isn't yeah. appreciating it. So yeah. where is the, once again, where is that line? It's your like you. The, that's where you have you you have your passion that is just driving you. Like I don't care whether I have feedback or not. Mm. I this is something like I need to do. It's mm. that drive. You have a drive from that, and then your vision too, because you can't you know build something in one day. You can't. It's impossible. Mm. So you you have to go toward. You'll never reach your ultimate vision but you know you gotta have it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's that's at least for me that's what keeps me going because i know like i'm gonna reach it one day or i'm gonna get really close to it um but it's not gonna be an easy necessarily short path to it um so you go in knowing that you go in knowing that yeah you go in knowing 
I guess because I've done it now a few times, um, now I know that, and I don't have a personality to give up fast. Mm. Um, I like sticking through it. Just like you enjoy the very pain. stubborn. Yeah, I do. I like that. <laughs> I like pain actually. Um, so I'm abst- I can be very. St- I used to be super stubborn. Actually, you used to be. I, I it's think a past tense. It's it, yeah. I realized that it was a big weakness actually, mm. being stubborn. Mm. but but i know how to go back to it at least like use it more like a tool mm. so you can channel it if you want. yeah i can channel it and that's where i've like tried to use it in a more positive way than just to be an asshole mm. <laughs> mm. so you weren't always this nice no you, know, you were at some point an yeah asshole. oh yeah okay I got you. I got <laughs> absolutely you. Right. it's a growth process yeah i'm glad we're here now yeah no i i you know you you have to go to dark places to be able to appreciate the bright places. Okay, so this follow-up question. Do you believe that that's an inevitable growth uh, developmental process? For me, yeah. Mm. yeah I, I, that's just how it worked out for me, so I don't know what it's like for other people. Mm. But um, for me, you know, being really challenged or being really, you know, in dark places, you know, you just know now not to go there. Like mm. now... It's like more clear, like, okay, this is good. This is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, just you, the, the choices become very, bi- like the tree, right? This multiple universes we we're talking about. Um, you quickly, if you know, you know, the, this path leads, you know, this little action can continue to leading towards this darkness. Mm. You can cut that stem mm. really quickly and choose to grow in this direction. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. It's it's all about developing that uh, inner awareness. Yeah. Um, for me, the life of darkness is filled with anger, fear, resentment. What was me, victim? I'm not worthy. Well, whatever. Been down that road. Yeah. Not fun. <laughs> no, there's no, no, there's nothing that you can gain from it yeah. other than just continuing. In your downward spiral. Well, uh, so let me, I mean, so from so my point of view, that initial part is satisfying. Yeah. The victim, like I'm a victim. Therefore, I, I don't need to take responsibility. Yep. Right? Because that's the payoff. But the afterwards is exactly. terrible. It is. But the, the, if you flip it, actually, one of the guests, Paul, said it's easy to go down the path of fear and, and anger because you don't need to do any work. Yeah. And, but then the, the, the later cost is so much higher. But then if you keep your heart open, it takes effort to keep your heart open in it that does. moment. But the payoff is almost immediate yeah. as well, just a little bit longer. And then just there's that path that you can take. Yeah. I don't know. Is that? No, is I'm that very similar? articulate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. How I feel. I appreciate this. Yeah. Thanks, my friend. <laughs> very this <is> great. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Soren, I really acknowledge you for sharing everything you share. Um, I got to know you a little bit better. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, also just uh, what a story. So intuitive. Uh, <laughs> a very, very different <laughs> path than my own path. Uh, but nonetheless, here we are having right. a conversation. Right. Thank you. That, yeah. was, that was beautiful. I yeah. feel great. All these things we got to try. And you got so much out, too. Yeah. For myself and for you, I think. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, So, guys, go out and take some actions. And, like uh, what Soren was saying, um, 
try something new, you know, develop that awareness or courage. And uh, till then, have a beautiful rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks so much.